Take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Isaiah, chapter 9. And we'll be reading verses 1 through 7. Nevertheless, the time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. The land of Zebulun and Naphtali will be humbled, but there will be a time in the future when Galilee and the Gentiles, which lies along the road that runs between the Jordan and the sea, will be filled with glory. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. You will enlarge the nation of Israel and its people will rejoice. They will rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest and like warriors dividing the plunder. For you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the heavy burden from their shoulders. You will break the oppressor's rod just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian. The boots of the warrior and the uniform blood stained by war will all be burned. They will be fuel for the fire. For a child is born to us. A son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end, and he will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. Let's pray together. Lord, again, we come to you with thankful hearts. We come to you with thankful hearts based on what your prophet Isaiah has told us. Lord, we get to celebrate that this week. We get to celebrate the coming of the everlasting Father and the Prince of Peace. Lord, I ask that as Pastor Doug comes and shares with us the truth that you have laid on his heart, that we would be blessed by it this morning. We would be reminded of how much you love us, Lord. We would be reminded of the sacrifice you made, not just on the cross, but in leaving heaven to come be with us. Lord, you are God with us. Lord, so as Pastor Doug comes, please help us to be attentive. Lord, take our distractions and put them outside. Let our hearts be ready for you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. It seems we've been in Isaiah chapter 9 for eternity, but really only four, four weeks. This morning, as we have, as, as before, we've been looking at this particular theme. He shall be called the names of Christ. But when you come to the last phrase of the Messiah, it's entitled the Prince of Peace. In order to have peace, there must first be problems. And Ahaz had a big one. From our first session that we were together, we recognized the fact that in chapter 7 of Isaiah, Ahaz was scared to death because the 10 northern tribes of Israel had made a pact, if you will, with the king at that time of Rezin, known as Aram, Rezim is now particularly the area known as Syria. 
And they were contriving, if you will, to come and attack Judah. Now, what we don't know is that what is recorded for us in 2 Kings chapter 16. Before we can continue here, we've got to go back there because back there gives us the problem. So go back to 2 Kings chapter 16, please. I know all of you are tremendously interested in history. It's one of the favorite subjects of everyone in school, I'm sure. But in chapter 16 of 2 Kings, we see the problem that Ahaz has created for himself. That's why he needs a prince of peace. I would love to be able to read the whole chapter, but time will not allow me to do that. But if you will just go with me to verse 10. Verse 10. King Ahaz went to Damascus to meet King Tiglath-Pilzar of Assyria. And when he saw the altar that was in Damascus... King Ahaz sent a model of the altar and complete plans for its construction to the priest Uriah. Uriah built the altar according to all the instructions of King Ahaz sent from Damascus. Therefore, by the time King Ahaz came back from Damascus, the priest Uriah had completed it. And when the king came back from Damascus, he saw the altar. Then he approached the altar and ascended it. He offered his burnt offering, his grain offering, poured out his drink offering, and splattered the blood of his fellowship offerings on the altar. He took the bronze altar that was before the Lord in front of the temple, between his altar and the Lord's temple, and put it on the north side of his altar. Then King Ahaz commanded the priest Uriah, offer on the great altar the morning burnt offerings, the evening grain offerings, and the king's burnt offerings, and his grain offerings. Also offer the burnt offerings of all the people of the land, their great offerings and their drink offerings splattered on the altar all the blood of the burnt offerings and all the blood of sacrifice, the bronze altar will be for me to seek guidance. And the priest Uriah did everything King Ahaz commanded. You see, his problem was is that he transferred worship from the Lord God Almighty to a pagan god that was worshipped by Assyria. In chapter 16, that portion we did not read, Ahaz went to the king of Assyria and said, help. He knew what Israel and Assyria had planned. And he called out for the Assyrians to help. Not only along with that is that he adopted the altar of the Assyrians in front of the altar that belonged to God. 
Be careful, dear people. Do not, do not usurp the authority of God. That's when you start to have problems. That is when you start to find yourself in trial and turmoil. That's when you are in trouble. Ahaz was in trouble. Now back to Isaiah chapter 9, please. Now that we know what the problem is, now we need to look at the meaning of our text. Sometimes it, it bothers me that we only come to certain portions of Scripture during certain times of years. We, we come to Isaiah chapter 7. You shall call his name Emmanuel, meaning God with us. We come to chapter 9 and verse 6. And he shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And after December 25th, we sort of forget those passages. But I'm here to tell you this morning that these really aren't just about Christmas passages. This is about a coming day when the King of Kings and Lord of Lords is going to establish his kingdom on this earth. And if you're like me in these present days that we find ourselves living in, you're probably saying, like me, what's taking you so long? Even so, come Lord Jesus. There was a story that was told by a great Bible preacher one time. He was doing a series of sermons at a Bible conference. And he focused on the fact of the word called Maranatha. Maranatha literally meaning, even so, come Lord Jesus. He was preaching out of the book of the Revelation. And one day he's walking around the campus of that Bible conference and two wonderful ladies who were there for the whole time came up to him and they were talking about the sermons and such as that. And so they came up and, and, and said to this great preacher of the word of God and they said, marijuana. <laughs> That's probably Assyrian for Maranatha. We, we, we miss the intent of the passage. We get confused. And what Isaiah is writing to the nation of Judah, it's because the nation of Israel had long left the Lord God Almighty. They had no good kings. Judah had some good kings. Ahaz was not one of them, by the way. For if you go back to 2 Kings chapter 16, as that chapter closes, you will find out that Ahaz did not do the will of the Lord as his father David. And so we find ourselves this morning coming to this final name entitled Prince of Peace. We've already quickly gone over this particular situation when we talked about what it was that brought about the writing of this particular one, the promise of what was ultimately to come. 
And the cause of worry was war was on the horizon. Troubles were coming. Now, I, I just have to stop here just for a few more moments, if I may. Well, I really care what you think, because I'm hurting this morning. I can do what I want. I'm on so much ibuprofen, you could slit my throat, and I wouldn't even know it. But this morning, I want to tell you something. There are times in our lives, too often times in our lives, when we neglect our responsibility as followers of Jesus Christ. And then when all of a sudden we find ourselves in a problem, a war is coming. And that particular war could be in many different areas of life. Wars that cause us to lose our very perspective on who Jesus Christ is. And now Isaiah is telling the nation of Judah that, yes, there is a darkness. Did you catch it as Pastor Steve read it for the last four weeks? There is a darkness. And we even see that on our own horizon. There is a darkness. Yes, there is. In fact, some individuals that I've been listening to and hearing their sermons or presentations even call it an insanity in our world today. And yet, it says the people have seen a great light. His name is Jesus. And what we need to be doing as a church is that we need to get back to the situation whereby even this situation is a consequence of a greater problem. We find in our own society, as we saw in Ahaz, he represented, if you will, or if he literally took the very altar of God and replaced it with an altar of a foreign God. I need to tell you this, and maybe some of you do know this. I try to keep up on current events. But this particular Congress of the United States was dedicated by a priest who represents a godless God. It was dedicated to a foreign God. Not the God that we even consider thinking about, in fact, I'd like to get away from the generic God thing and get right to the, what is really the, the situation. His name is Jesus. You can talk about the generic God all you want, and no one's going to have a problem with that, but you bring the name of Jesus up, now you've got a problem. And you see, Ahaz was in the generic God thing. He saw this altar. He really liked it. And he brought it. He had it built. And he took the altar of God and moved it out of the way in order for his altar to become the place, as he, saw, as he told Uriah, this is where you are going to offer all the offerings of the people. Here. Not there. Here. No wonder... Isaiah said, there's a prince of peace coming. They were in turmoil. Now we do know that according to history, Assyria 
took over Israel, they became slaves to the Assyrians. And 200 years later, it wasn't the Assyrians, it was the Babylonians that took over Judah. We read about that in the book of Daniel. And yet the situation we find ourselves, even in our own country right now, is the fact that we have long forgotten in God we trust. We have long displaced him with power and authority and riches. We've fashioned, if you will, even in our own churches, we have fashioned, this is our God whom we will now worship and then we wonder why we need a prince of peace. Well, someone rightly wrote this. Peace is not the absence of fear. It is the presence of God. Peace is not the absence of fear. It should be the presence of God. Without the presence of God in the life of an individual, in the life of a community, in the life of a nation, there is no peace. And the result is the constant search to appease oneself with things and to appease a people of the nation with ideas of idolatry. Have you all been made aware that our illustrious president signed a bill that was entitled the Preservation of Marriage Bill. It didn't preserve anything. It opened the door for Pandora's box where now individuals can marry their pet and be called a couple. Individuals, now pedophile, pedophilia, will become the sin of the day. Marriage of adults to children. And in the signing of that, standing over our president's right shoulder, was an individual with a big smile on that person's face who just months prior to that was arrested and incarcerated for child pedophilia and he's standing there next to our present with a big smile knowing full well of what is coming when God is not present there is no peace you can try all you want to find trinkets, to find idols in order to create a false peace. But in reality, even those begin to fall at the wayside. No wonder we need a prince of peace. The prince of peace shows his power and justifies his name by four things. First thing is this, bringing peace to the hearts of those who were once lost and enemies of God. 
Romans 5, verses 1 to 5. Seeing therefore we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That means at one time we were enemies of God. I'm very cautious, and and maybe you've heard people say this too. Be be very cautious that when an individual says, I've always known God. No, you haven't. You were an enemy of his. Until, by grace through faith, the Prince of Peace brings about a relationship with the one true God of heaven and earth, then and only then do we find ourselves at peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The second thing that that the Prince of Peace shows his power and justifies his name by is this. The, The fruit that is produced by the Holy Spirit in the lives of believers Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22, known as the fruit of the Spirit. The third one is peace, love, joy, peace, peace. The third way is is this. The Prince of Peace shows his power and justifies his name by promising that which cannot be gained to the world's goods. John chapter 14 and verse 7, as Jesus opens that glorious chapter, he closes it with the same phrase, let not your heart be troubled. For he says, my peace I leave with you. Not as the world gives, I give true peace. And lastly, The Prince of Peace shows his power and justifies his name by bringing divine peace to the earth. Luke chapter 1 and verse 32 and 33 describes the fact that Jesus Christ, as God, the angel angel Gabriel, speaking to Mary, says to her, you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins, and he will be called Son of the Highest, and he will rule on his the Father's throne, David's throne, forever. Now, when you take that and you cross-reference it with Isaiah chapter 66, you find out that during that rule, there's perfect peace on this earth. A peace in which it describes that all nations will come and worship him. The kind of peace that as the text was being read, items of war are going to be burnt up. There's not going to be a conflict. There's not going to be a debt. There's not going to be inflation. There's not going to be drugs. There's not going to be strife. It'll be perfect peace. Why? Because the Prince of Peace, the ruling prince, known as the Messiah, Jesus is his name, is going to give that which the world has not had in eons of years. 
peace. It's a kind of peace that's described for us in the book of Genesis where it says God walked with man. I can't even begin to wrap my mind around that as, as Adam got to walk with God. Can, I, I would have loved to have been in one of those conversations. What did they talk about? What did God and Adam discuss? Uh, the scriptures are silent. But it was the fellowship. But that fellowship was broken by sin. And from that moment on, we had to start wearing glasses. We had to start buying false teeth and hearing aids. Steel hips and metal knees. All of those things. And it hurts my heart when I see individuals that are doing things that God hadn't created us to do that. Just the other day, we were walking through a store over on the strip, and, and there was an individual there that had the voice of a man. But he had the features, I suspect, of a woman. God didn't create us for that. But sin destroyed it. No wonder we need a Prince of Peace. No wonder we need to be able to come to that place whereby even in the darkness of this world we can still stand and sit and sleep in peace because we know Jesus Christ. I think that's what Isaiah was getting at. As he wrote these words to a nation that was scared to death. They anticipated that they were short-lived. Even so much so that Isaiah even asked Ahaz. Ask God for a sign. Ask him. No, I won't do that. A false, if you will, piety. Well, it ought to be. He's already established a false, a false altar. A false piety. When he said no, and then Isaiah says, well, God will give you a sign. A virgin shall conceive and bring forth a son, and you will call his name Emmanuel, meaning God with us. Still not satisfied with that, Isaiah writes again, for unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given and the government will be upon his shoulders and his name will be called. Notice it's not names. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor. We looked at that. To realize that everything that Jesus Christ is is wonderful. To realize all that he ever did on this earth was wonderful. All that he ever created is wonderful. And in that, his words of wisdom can be our counselor. He is also the mighty God. He is the one of, as John writes, all things were made by him, for without him was not anything made that was made. John chapter 1, verse 3. He is the visible 
of the invisible. He is God in the flesh. Show us the Father, Thomas said. And Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And he's the everlasting Father. Eternal, always was, always is, always will be. He is the Father of eternity. Not that the fact of it is we recognize the fact that that term father in the Jewish culture doesn't necessarily mean someone who has a child. No, an initiator, an author, someone who has brought something about that was not there before. He's the father of eternity. That's whosoever believeth in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And now we're at Prince of Peace, the last name. But yet, it has a greater meaning. And that is what I would like to close with. I want to, if I may, talk to you a little bit about this. Peace is a bridge. And on the two sides of the bridge are truth and righteousness. You must have both. You must have truth and righteousness if you're going to have peace. And in Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, Messiah, and King, the bridge has been built because he is both truth and righteousness. In closing, I want to share with you three Ps, if I may. Three Ps. It's easy to remember. As one individual wrote, you cannot expect to have peace around you if you don't have peace within you. The three Ps I wish to share with you is this. First one, penitence. Are you sure? I've not seen many commercials as what once was produced on TV that described a, a certain necklace that you could wear that if you were in trouble or if you fell down, you could press a button. And then the commercial went something like this. Please help me. I've fallen and I can't get up. That's penitence. That recognizes the fact that we have fallen and we can't get up. There's nothing in this world that would offer to us any hope that we can come into a right relationship with God of heaven and earth through Jesus Christ. It's recognizing the fact that we response of a life in which one becomes aware of the amazing grace of God in light of events of life in which one is searching for true peace. Are you sure? Penitence. Penitence is nothing more than recognizing that we're lost without Jesus and trusting in him for our only hope of eternal life. Are you sure? Oh, we've all fallen and we can't get up. If it wasn't for Jesus, all of us would be lost. Do you know him? The second one is builds upon the fact of praise. 
praise. Are you shouting? Are you shouting? Praise is all about, even in the midst of all the world's darkness and trinkets and false hopes, God can be praised. He will not be robbed of his glory. It's praise. Let's praise him from all whom blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures here below. Praise him above, ye heavenly hosts. Praise God, Father, Holy Ghost. It's praise. Praise comes from a heart that has been changed. A heart that has been once can't get up, has been raised up by the Prince of Peace. But there's one more P, and this is the dangerous one. This is called postponement. And I have to put in there, are you shaking? Some of you, maybe even here this morning, are saying, I, I understand everything you're saying, preacher, but I, I, I just think I'm, I'm, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait. Dear people, if, if I could have tell you of how many people I've heard say that to me, and then their day of reckoning has caught them, and they no longer can make a decision for Christ. Luke writes for us in the book of Acts, today is the day of salvation. We have no idea even from the moment we leave this assembly and get in our vehicles and drive down the road as safely as we can, we have no idea what the individual is like coming toward us in another vehicle. And our life, your life can be gone instantly. My question is, don't postpone. Today is the day. You may be here this morning searching for peace, longing for some understanding of life. And I'm here to tell you this morning, it's in Jesus Christ. Do you know him? That's my plea to you this morning. Do you know him? Because in this book of Isaiah, there is a day coming. A day of rejoicing, a day of great worldly peace, but also a day of judgment. In the midst of peace, there's also judgment. We read that in the book of, I, of Revelation, in Isaiah chapter 66. Everything that is wrong is going to be made right. There is a day coming, but are you ready for that day? That's the issue. There was a day in my life when I had to confess I've fallen and I can't get up. And if it wasn't for the grace of Christ and understanding what he did for me on the cross and the resurrection, that just simply asking him to be my savior. The apostle Paul writes for us in Romans chapter 10 when he says, if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord 
shall be saved. Do you know him? Don't postpone. Just come to penitence and praise this Christmas season. Let's pray together. Our loving Father, I thank you for the gift of your Son. The one who is described as wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, and lastly, Prince of Peace. Oh, that everyone that is here this morning understands the truth and the reality that without Christ, we've all fallen and we can't get up. And it's only because of what you can do whereby we can stand to praise. Oh, Lord God, please pour out your spirit, your convicting spirit by your word. Pour out your spirit. And I ask, Lord, that no one would leave today who does not know you. Now is not the time to postpone. Now is the time to believe. So we thank you, our Lord, for your grace and your mercy. And the wonder and the joy of what it is to know Jesus as Lord and Savior of our lives. You work today, dear God, in our hearts. And I'll praise you in your name. Amen. Sing with me. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures here Praise Him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. You are dismissed.